Are you dealing with the trials of a difficult marriage or going through a separation or divorce? Welcome to the club, friend. Life is messy and it can be hard. I'm Jen Zingmark, a Christian life coach, and I have good news for you. There is a path to find hope, healing, and happiness, no matter what your circumstances are, and I can help you find joy in your journey. So let's go. Amanda Lauder is a certified sex and marriage coach who helps women from conservative Christian backgrounds love their sex life. She helps women embrace their sexuality to help them strengthen their relationships with themselves, their spouses, and with God. In addition to being a coach, Amanda is also a wife to Kevin and a mom and a stepmom to five kids, ranging in ages from 14 to 23. In her spare time, she enjoys reading, watching your kids play sports, fishing, and camping. I am thrilled to welcome Amanda Louder to the podcast today. So welcome, <laughs> Amanda. I'm thrilled Thank to have you. you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself, your life, and your family, maybe how you decided to become a sex coach. <laughs> Well, let's see. Um, so my husband, Kevin, and I have been married since 2012. So we're coming up on 11 years of marriage. It's a second marriage for both of us. So um, we have the five kids between the two of us. So I came to the marriage with three. He came with two. And um, we decided that five was enough. So we didn't have any more together. But we've had a, an amazing marriage. So we live in Salt Lake City. And we spend, you know, of course, a lot of time with our kids. We have two that are out of the house. My two oldest are out of the house. And then our third, she plays competitive softball and she'll be graduating this year and going to college to play softball. So oh. that will continue, I'm sure, for the next few years and then yeah. getting to watch her at the college level instead. And anytime we are not at the softball field, we are usually camping and fishing. My husband's a huge fisherman. We catch yeah. salmon in the local area lakes here in Utah, and we love to camp alongside that. So that's where you can usually find us. <laughs> that's awesome. Do you eat your, his catches? Oh, yes. Our, yeah. We have a freezer full of salmon, and oh. we eat salmon at least once, if not tw two or three times a week. Yeah, it's so. my favorite. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> How cool. Well, we have similar, I have five children and we have a blended family. My husband awesome. and I were both married before, but I came with three and he came with one and we had a love child. That's what we call her. Yay. <laughs> yes. And so we have five all together and my baby is 16 and all of the other four are out of the house. So wow. nice. Similar. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So yeah. So me becoming a sex coach. Well, that is kind of an evolving story. I got married to my first husband when I was the ripe old age of 19, nine days after I turned 19. Wow. And um, we really struggled almost from the beginning. And it seemed to get worse and worse after every kid. And um, the marriage was very emotionally abusive. I did not understand that for a very long time. So about five years in, I started fasting and praying and going to um, our temple to pray about divorcing him because I was just miserable. And my answer was not no. My answer was now is not the time. 
and you have more work to do. And I was like, okay, well, tell me what work I need to do because I want to be out of here. <laughs> right. And that was my answer for eight years. And it was a very, very long time. We really, really struggled in lots of areas of our life, um, including in our sexual relationship. Most of our sexual relationship revolved around him begging, coercing, whatever he needed to do, and me giving in as little as I possibly could just to get him off my back for a little while. Mm -hmm. I had no pleasure, no, um, it was just completely for him. It was not something I enjoyed. And probably about 10 years in, I was like, well, maybe if the sex gets better, maybe this is some of the work that I need to do. Right. And may, if the sex gets better, then our marriage will get better. And so I started working on my sexual relationship with myself and with him. I had to work on getting through a lot of the sexual shame that I had. Um, I finally had my first orgasm at 12 years into the marriage. Wow. And the sex definitely got better and the marriage was still really bad. And so... I finally, my answer finally changed in the spring of 2011. And um, so I started preparing for a divorce and told him a few months later. And I had already filed for divorce when I told him that it was happening. And um, I moved from Texas to Utah where we had been living, um, moved back in with my parents and we were divorced. And um, we actually have a great relationship now. Wow. Um, we co-parent really, really well. And we said, you know, our stuff is in the past and it's time to just move forward and do the best we can for our kids. And really, for the most part, that's what we've done. And so we have, we co-parent, we, I mean, we do a lot of things together with our kids. He remarried, but then divorced again very quickly. And so he's been pretty much single the whole time but we just really choose to get along and do really good things for our kids. And our parent, our kids will even say, you know, if for having divorced parents, you guys made it the best it could possibly be. So that's, that's really nice so good. Me. That really yeah. says a lot about both of you guys. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. after I divorced, my plan was to go back to school and become a therapist. And I looked into that and it was going to take eight years. Um, I would have to redo a lot of my undergrad and um, do a master's and then practicum. And it just seemed like so, you know, not even feasible. <laughs> yeah. And and then I remarried and that's a whole story too. And so I was raising these five kids as a stay-at-home mom. And then I was introduced to coaching. And I was like, this, this is what I want to do. This is what's going to make things, you know, like this is actually feasible for me raising a family. And I really realized a pattern very quickly that many women were struggling with sex. And so I did a couple of podcasts on that and they were my most downloaded by far. Oh. And then I went on a girl's weekend with a bunch of other coaches. And um, by the end of the weekend, all of my friends were saying, you have to change your niche to sex because we have learned more from you in a weekend than we have in 15 to 20 years of marriage. Yeah. And so I've pretty much been studying sex and marriage and everything from the time. Um, I did a lot of work on myself before I divorced. And a lot of that included learning more about myself and self-development and marriage and sex. And so, and I've just kept studying that because I've just found it so interesting and helpful and relatable and, you know, why I want to make 
you know, my marriage, my second marriage, the best it can be. So constantly working to do that. And so when I switched to sex, then everything seemed to fall into place and my business exploded. And I've been very, very busy since. And I've realized that this is actually my calling in life and that everything that I've been doing up to this point and everything that's happened in my life led me to this because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So. Oh, that's so awesome. (laughs) Well, it's so refreshing to hear someone talk so openly about sex, because I feel like we're in a really strange time in the world, like with the LDS culture being pretty sheltered and like it's taboo. We don't really talk about sex or we even say sex very often (laughs) and like, especially in that context, but yet the world is so over-sexualized. Porn is everywhere. Like our kids with smartphones at younger ages, like it's just like a strange time where sex is everywhere, but yet in our culture, many times we still don't talk about it. We still don't address it. And having young adult children that have grown up. My oldest is married now. I'm like, we need to talk about it. Let's talk about it. You know? And when they were growing up, I'm like, let's talk about sex. Like we can talk about this and it's just refreshing. And I think you are such a ray of sunshine for so many people (laughs) to like come out and say, we, it's okay to talk about it. Like we're virtuous women. I want to be a righteous, virtuous woman and mother and wife. But I also think it's okay to talk about sex. And I love that you do that. You embrace that. It's awesome. So well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's much needed. So <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So how long were you single before you got remarried? <laughs> oh, so this is the funny thing. I met my husband six weeks after my divorce was final. Okay. That and happens. Hey, when it's yeah, meant to I be. Mean, <laughs> like we weren't, neither one of us were really looking for it. And it really just kind of fell into our laps. and. Um, I think you know, I mentioned I have done a lot. I had done a lot of work on myself before I divorced. So by the time we divorced, I just kind of felt apathetic, like about everything. Like I didn't hate him. You know, I was just like, I'm just, I'm done. I'm mm-hmm. ready to be done and ready to move on with my life and, and be not in a relationship where I am being abused. Right. And, um, and so because I had done so much work on myself, I think that you know, prepared me to be ready for a relationship with him. So, you know, I mean, I don't always recommend going that fast to other people. (laughs) Right. Um, And uh, there was definitely still more work that I needed to do, but I had done so much before I even got divorced that I was, I felt like I was in a good place to do that. And um, he, when we actually met, um, he was actually not even divorced yet. Um, Paperwork had been filed. They had been separated for like a year. But, um, but we met and we knew within 24 hours of meeting that we were meant to be together. Wow. Yeah, it was, I mean, whirlwinds, right? So then we had to like, wait like six weeks until his divorce was final (laughs) before we could go on a date or kiss each other or anything. So we just spent time like really getting to know each other and, and building that foundation of friendship, um, before. And here's, here's the fun thing is, so I had been fasting and praying and going to the temple for eight years, whether to divorce my first husband or not. And those were the exact eight years that he was married to his first wife. Wow. So they, um, the first time I went to the temple was about, um, two weeks before he married her. Wow. And as soon as they separated, that's when my answer changed and I started preparing for my own divorce. 
That's yeah. a beautiful story. So it doesn't always work out that way for everybody, but no. it did for us. And yeah. we've been mostly blissfully happy since. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. Blended okay. families, second marriages. Whew, they're, yeah. They take work. All marriages take work. All and it doesn't matter what your situation is. It takes work and, you know, but it's yeah. worth it. So worth it. it. Is. it is so okay. Worth so you said you did a lot of work on yourself before you actually got divorced and like you were praying and thinking and wondering, you know, seeking the Lord's help and making that decision. How would you say you were different from the time maybe you decided you wanted to get a divorce mm -hmm. to the time when you got remarried? Like, how were you different in that time? You know, I'm thinking about advice for women and men yeah. dealing with that. Like, what do I need to do to be prepared to get remarried? Yeah. What can help them? Well, I mean, I think we all bring in conditioning that we've received and trauma from, you know, our childhoods. Like life is just traumatic, whether it's big trauma or little trauma, like we've all had trauma. And so based on, you know, things that I had learned in my family of origin and bringing the, that into the marriage relationship, I was a big people pleaser. And, um, I was constantly doing what I thought needed to be done in order to make my husband happy. And so I had to learn that I was not responsible for his happiness. Yeah. It was not my job to do whatever he wanted to try and make him happy. There was a lot of emotional abuse. Like I said, um, our entire marriage revolved around my weight, my size, how much I ate, how much I exercised. Oh, and wow. I didn't know as an 18, 19 year old girl, how much trauma and my ex-husband's childhood trauma affected him and how it was going to show up in our marriage. And he had, I would say some big T trauma and how he showed up was trying to control everything because if he could control it, then he would not be left or heartbroken or, you know, whatever that was. So, right. Um, so he tried to control everything. And what I had to learn eventually is no matter what I did, he still wasn't going to be happy because <laughs> right. his happiness had to come from within. And so what I had to focus on was my own happiness and do what I needed to do to make myself happy. And that was a big shift over that time. So there was years of individual and couples therapy, um, that led me to that, but that was really the biggest shift that I had to make was, like I'm in charge of my own happiness. They're in charge of their own happiness. I'm going, I want to show up as my best self in mm -hmm. this relationship, but then I can't control how he's going to show up. Yeah. So true. So did you have like a list of things that you knew you were looking for the second time around? <laughs> or, I mean, yes. I know you said you guys knew, but yeah. What were you looking for? What, how did you know? Well, um, I mean, there were some physical aspects that I was really looking for. So my ex-husband, <laughs> so I'm five, four, um, my ex-husband's like five, nine, my, my husband, Kevin is six, three. <laughs> okay. You wanted so a, tall I wanted a lot taller yeah. than me, <laughs> Yeah, which he was yeah. right. But, um, but it was more, not just physical characteristics. It was more, was he willing to look at himself? Was he willing to see the areas that he needed to grow and change? And would he actually do that? Mm -hmm. um, I listened very carefully about how he talked about his ex-wife. Uh. Um, was he blaming her for everything? Or was 
he blaming himself for everything or did he see that it always takes two and that like this was her part but this was my part and this is what I have worked on myself that was really important to me I also paid attention to how he interacted with my family with my own children and with my parents and my siblings I paid attention to how he interacted in his own family um, because I think that really shows you who they are at their core. Mm-hmm. And was he the same in all of those <laughs> situations, whether it was his family, my family, or with the friends? Yeah, so good. That's really good advice. So tell us your love story. I know you said <laughs> you knew right away. How did yeah. you guys meet? So we technically met online, which he shouldn't have even been online to begin with. <laughs> Um, but he was like, I mean, things were getting, you know, towards that final stage. And he basically was just like, I wonder if there's anything even out there that I'm going to be interested in. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had, you know, been online for like six weeks. (laughs) Right. And so, um, when I saw this new person online, I'm like, oh, he's kind of cute. I'll message him. And so I messaged him. So we started messaging back and forth and, um, I was on Wednesday, this was on a Monday that we met. And on Wednesday's evening, I attended a religion class for mid-singles. And so I was like, well, why don't you just come to this mid-singles religion class? And, you know, we can meet and you can meet other, you know, single dads and that kind of stuff. And he was like, okay. And so, and we were just messaging through, it was LDS singles at the time. There was not even an app because this yeah. was, you know, 12 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, but so we were just messaging through there. So he's like, okay, I'm going to come straight from work and this is what I'll be wearing. And I told him what I was going to be wearing. And he walked in and it was literally like lights out, spotlight on him, <laughs> angels singing. I was like, what is going on here? Oh, that's awesome. And so he he walked in. So I went and introduced myself to him. I invited him to come and sit with my friends. And so we had to like sit through, you know, the the talk that they were giving us that night. And he, I was sitting next to him and I just wanted to like touch him like all the time and I'm like like he's not even divorced yet I can't touch him like I can't but it was like magnet like I just wanted to touch him anyway so after the class was over a group of my friends we were we usually went to IHOP afterwards and got pancakes and so I invited him to come with me and then that's when we were actually able to like start talking and really getting to know each other and then one of our friends invited us over to his house to play pool and hang out. And so we did that and we just had a really good time talking with each other. And then um, it was about midnight and we were like, oh, we should probably go home, you know? Yeah. (laughs) goes, comes out at midnight, whatever. Right. um, So we go to, you know, get in our cars and he was like, well, can I have your phone number so that I can actually like text you and talk to you and not just through the app? And I was like, sure. So I gave him my phone number and we both got in our cars and he called me immediately like on our way home (laughs) wow first night this this was like midnight well we didn't stop talking until he had to go to work at 7 a.m no literally talked all night long and then we were messaging throughout the day and then that night you know we just kept talking more and more and it was funny because if you knew him at all it's so out of character for him so that 24 hours later, he was like, look, I don't mean to scare you. And this is really out of character for me. 
but I think I'm falling in love with you already. And I was like, that should totally scare me. And it doesn't because I feel the same way. Oh my goodness. So crazy. So crazy. And so anyway, we just kept talking and talking and we ended up going to the temple a week later to do sealings with the mid singles. And um, he had gotten off work kind of late. And so we were late and we didn't get to go in the room with all of the other singles. And so we were in with like one other couple and it was actually my friend Amber and she was on a date with her (laughs) ex-husband, which they were trying to like work it out. And then with like some older couples. And so, you know, the sealer was going around the room and, and like getting everybody's name. And my friend Amber, you know, happens to have the same last name as her ex-husband. So he didn't know that they were, you know, like not married anymore. Right. And then he gets to me and Kevin and, you know, Kevin was like, you know, brother louder. And, and he was like, and sister louder. I'm like, no, it's uh, sister. And it was my, you know, my old last name. Yeah. And he was like, oh, okay. And every single time he called my name, he always called me sister louder. And I'd have to correct him over and over and over. And he was like, I don't know why. I just feel like you're supposed to be Sister Louder. Oh, my. So anyway, but we both had it confirmed in the temple that night that we were supposed to be together. And so we just had to wait for the divorce to be final. And then once it was final, then we could actually like start dating and introduce our kid. Like we introduced our kids just a couple of weeks later. Uh, so that was the beginning of January. We were buying a house by the end of February. And um, he officially proposed, although like we knew we were getting married. He had bought my ring before he was even divorced, (laughs) but um, he, but he officially proposed in June and we were married in July. So, wow, that (laughs) is a whirlwind love story. Yeah, it's been good. (laughs) Okay. So a question that comes to mind is about that time before you're married and your LDS And you're not having sex, most likely. So how do you know you're sexually compatible with a person? (laughs) Like, you know, that's a question that comes up and, you know, in the world, you just find out. (laughs) No, Um, especially, I mean, I tell people even with a first marriage to talk about it, but especially with a second marriage, you need to talk and you need to talk through all of it. Like if you are with someone who is not willing to talk about it, then you're probably not with the right person. Yeah. Like you're probably not going to be sexually compatible. So, you know, have the conversations. What what are your expectations? What do you like? What do you not like? And have these in public places where you're not going to like, where it's not going to just start stirring up feelings where you're going to want to like, just, you know, head to the bedroom, right? You need right. to do it, you know, in, in a, an appropriate way. But really asking all of the hard questions. Like before we got married, we talked about everything. And like, we knew, you know, what each of our expectations were. We knew things that we didn't like, things that we liked. And so when we, you know, got married and started actually having sex, like it was easy from the beginning. And our sexual relationship has always been easy for us Mm -hmm. because we literally talked about everything before. Yeah, that's so good. And something that I've learned from listening to your podcast and (laughs) learning from your content is just really talking about everything more openly. I think it's just something that isn't natural in our culture, but it's important. It's so important. And just talking about everything openly is so healthy. 
Yeah. So, I mean, like, I think he might've been the one that broached the subject first, but he was like, do you like sex? <laughs> and I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, I do. Because I had done all that work on myself right. before, you know? And so, I mean, I knew like, okay, this is how I orgasm best. And so I told him yeah. so that like when we were together, he knew exactly what he needed to do because right. I knew myself, right? right? And he knew exactly what we needed to do so that it was a good experience for both of us. But mm -hmm. had we not been able to have those conversations or not been willing to have those conversations, then we probably wouldn't have had the amazing sexual relationship from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So good. And I totally get that. And I felt that way getting married for the second time. Like, I don't think there was a question out there that I didn't ask my husband. I yeah. was, you know. I had been, I was a little bit jaded. I was still healing from, you know, my first marriage. I yeah. asked him every question probably two or three different times, different ways, just to make sure the yeah. answer was the same on different yeah. days, different way. Like, yep. just like, I need to know it all. I need to know yeah. everything. And yeah. we went in with our eyes much more open about mm -hmm. each other because mm -hmm. we both were just way more intense about getting to know yep. the answers to questions. Yep. And I think it's so important, but yeah, in first marriages too, so important. Yeah. I think we had, I think I got us a book from like Deseret Book that was like 101 questions to ask your fiance or something. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so, you know, we had been together. I mean, we weren't together because he wasn't divorced yet, but like we were friends, right? And right. I'm saying friends in quotes, right? like for probably about six weeks um, before his divorce was final. And so what I loved about that, even though it was so hard, mm -hmm. was that our physical relationship did not outpace our, you know, emotional, mental, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens so many times, especially in, well, it happens in first marriages, but it happens in second marriages too, because we want to feel loved. We want to feel connected. We want to feel like we're attractive, desired. And so a lot of times that physical relationship outpaces the relationship with, um, without the physical. And that's what I think that really set such a good foundation for us. Mm -hmm. Like we, we had literally talked about just about everything by the time we kissed for the first time. That's and so, so great. It, that physical relationship did not outpace everything mm -hmm. else. Yeah. It's actually an ideal setup. I don't know if we could arrange for people <laughs> to have to talk for six weeks first without right. any physical contact, but pretty much sounds ideal. Sounds yeah. like a really yeah. good way to get to know someone thoroughly. Well, but you, you get can have connected. those boundaries for yourself, mm -hmm. right? You mm -hmm. get to decide like, I don't want to have a physical relationship until I feel like the rest of our relationship is in place. Mm -hmm. So good. It's a little more challenging when things just evolve naturally, but it I is. love that idea. I love that idea. So how would you say you're different now in your second marriage than you were in your first marriage? And, you know, what did you learn about your own behaviors that you recognize you didn't want to take with you into yeah. your second marriage? Well, I mean, a lot of it was that people pleasing behavior. Mm hmm right? And not standing up for what I actually wanted, not setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, that was a really big one. Um, not completely losing myself. So we got, I would, got married for the first time in 1998. And in 2010, 
things had progressed to the point that I almost took my life. Like it was, I mean, really it was, if I had, if the only thing that kept me from doing it was knowing that I would leave my kids with him. That's the only thing that kept me. I had completely lost myself and I had begun to um, listen to all of the abusive things that he was saying to me and to believe it. And so I had lost myself and I promised. And so I had to work, you know, through therapy and stuff to get myself back. And um, I promised myself that I would never let that happen again. And Mm -hmm. I haven't. I haven't. And as I've continued to grow and progress and especially with coaching and stuff, Mm -hmm. like I've just come more and more and more into my own and being stronger in myself, which has only strengthened my marriage and made it better instead of weakening it. Like I think so many of us think that we need to fold into our spouse, especially Mm -hmm. as women. Mm-hmm. that we need to become the wife and the mother and fold into his desires and his wants and his career and all of that. And I've been unwilling to do that mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, because I think when we have two very strong people, that makes for a stronger marriage. Yes. I love that. I agree completely. So if you had to go back and give yourself some advice on, let's say, the day of your divorce. I know for me and for many people, that is just the lowest of the lows. The day that you just really, you know, for some people, it's a relief. And for you, probably when you got there, you were like, like I'm done. <laughs> it, I, it wasn't a celebration for me, but it wasn't something devastating either. I actually spent the day because I had, I had a three-year-old at that point. Um, I spent the day on Temple Square with a friend and it was a really good experience, but it wasn't like this really sad day, but it wasn't like a celebration either. It was mm-hmm. just, it was bittersweet. It really was. Yeah. And I, yeah. I can relate to that. Although I, I didn't originally want to get a divorce, but like you, I'd been in a difficult marriage for a long time. I didn't think it was going to end in divorce. I thought marriage is just hard. This is how it is. Yeah. It's just going to be like this. When it ultimately did end in divorce, it was hard. And devastating. And I had a three-year-old at the time. It was just, it's one of those days, like you can't imagine when you get married that there will be a day like that, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I try to inspire some hope and encouragement for people on that day. If you yeah. had some advice to share about that day, what advice would you share? Well, I would say find a place that you can be at peace with you know, whether, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for you, whether you're like, you know, camping or up in the mountains or out in nature or at the temple or whatever it is, like just find a place that can be peaceful for you and know that it will get better eventually. Yeah. That's really good advice. So I know you've talked a lot about praying and seeking the Lord's like answer mm-hmm. about your marriage, but what would you say the role of the relationship that you have with Heavenly Father or your faith in general, like your just Christian beliefs, how did that affect your choices? Well, I think especially as, well, as an LDS people, we tend to rely on our covenants and we're so afraid of breaking those. Like I didn't, I didn't want to break my covenants by getting a divorce, but I quickly realized that ultimately my Heavenly Parents want me to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I really wasn't happy. And if that's what they want for me, then divorce is actually the right choice. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in when we get married in the temple and we make covenants, we make the covenant to um, cleave to our spouse, to counsel with them, and to labor together. And if those three things aren't happening, then you don't have a covenant marriage. Mm-hmm. And you can keep those covenants yourself, even if your spouse isn't. And my spouse was not keeping those covenants, mm-hmm. but I still could. And so I wanted to keep my covenant relationship with my heavenly parents, even if that meant not having covenants and a marriage to my spouse anymore. And the strength that my covenants brought me and my relationship with my heavenly parents and knowing that they actually wanted me to be happy is what carried me through. Oh, that's so beautiful. I can relate to that because like you, I knew things were bad and I kept asking the Lord. Like I would go to the temple every two weeks. Am I supposed to stay in this? Is this what you want? And like you for a long time, I felt, yes, for now, be patient. Yes. But then there was a time when my answer was no, no, No. it's time. And that's when I felt like you. I know I'm keeping my covenants and I know God is leading this. I don't know what's happening next. But I know I should not stay here. And it takes a lot of faith to take those steps, you know. I know. My answer changed. And I still spent, I mean, I was getting ready for months, right? And I didn't tell a soul. Oh, yeah. Me either. But when I finally, like, I called my parents and I was like, it's, I'm going to divorce him. And they were like, whoa, wait, what? Like, we knew you weren't happy. And so I started to tell them some of the things that had been happening. And I mean, they, I had protected them. I had held back from telling them a lot of things and they were like, okay. And they had, were actually on their way to the temple themselves when I called and they were like, we're going to go to the temple and we'll call you when we get out. And they called me out and they're like, we support you hundred percent. We know that this is the right choice for you. And I didn't need their validation, but it was sure nice. (laughs) Totally. Totally. I get that for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, not everybody's going to get that. Like, yes, this is the right choice for you. Mm -hmm. When people ask me, because people ask me for divorce advice all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And my advice is always like, don't divorce unless if it's an abusive situation, make sure you're safe and get out. Mm-hmm. But don't divorce unless you are happy with how you are showing up in the marriage. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's when you know that y- you can move ahead and move on and live a happy life because you like how you are showing up. And you're going to be able to make that decision, um, hopefully with no regrets. Mm-hmm. I agree. Such good advice. Okay. So this has just been wonderful. I love learning from you and love everything you're sharing. Let me ask you the question that I usually end all of my interviews with. What does finding joy in the journey mean to you? I think it's always looking for what's going well. You can always find the bad, but it's really looking for what's going well. And there's always something even in those hard times, and even if the joy is the joy in your own choices, the joy in the relationship that you have with your children or outside relationships, friends, family, that kind of thing, but you can always find joy somewhere. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love it. Well, share with everyone how they can get in touch with you and find you if they would like help with their sex lives. 
Yeah. So, um, I have a membership for women. Um, it's $49 a month. You come in and you can go through, um, I have some different courses for women to help with self-development and sexual development. And then, um, there's coaching every week and classes every month. It's, it's an amazing program actually. <laughs> um, I'm actually in the process of developing a program for men as well. Oh, so, yeah. um, I get husbands who want help with their sexual relationship. Usually they're like, how do I convince my wife to have sex with me? And I'm like, oh, you need, you're the one that needs the help. Yes. So I'm developing a relation, uh, a program for husbands as well right now. So you can just go to my website, amandalouder.com and click on get help. And you can see my programs for women and for men. I also have a course for engaged couples. Um, and while it is aimed at, you know, young newlyweds who have never had sex before. I have had several people take it before the second marriage and said it was really, really helpful and helped set them on the right path. Yeah. Um, and then I have a podcast called Sex for Saints. And um, you can find me on social media at Amanda Louder Coaching. Wonderful. Well, I will link all of that in the show notes so everyone can find it and have quick access to it. This has just been wonderful. Thank you so much, Amanda. It has been a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. If you're ready to dive deeper into this work and learn the tools and the skills you need to change the trajectory of your life forever, go to ldsdivorce.com and sign up for a free consultation with me. This is just the tip of the iceberg, my friends. There is so much more. I would love to work with you and be your life coach.